0: hi again everybody it's me jr man how are you welcome to your life Sword podcast i am your official official greetings salutations to all of you around the country around the world thanks for stopping in appreciate you guys all you guys have been listening for a long time peace my brothers and sisters I'm a spiritual director, mentor, coach, consultant. I help walk with you in seasons that you need somebody, and we always need somebody, right? JRman.com, m a h o n j r m a h o J-R-M-E-H-O-N.com, that phone number, the email, the contacts, the at JRman, Ness is everywhere on that site. You can read about me, read about my, my, my past if it so desires you. You can also read something about Tabletop Ministries, which... Um, a little ministry that we founded a year and a couple months ago, um, to provide, uh, pastoral care and spiritual direction to those who can't afford traditional levels of therapy. hmm Um, it's a great thing. Please give to that. I mean, come on, man. There's a lot of people that, uh, that I see and that I talk to and do it, you know, it's like, listen, there are some people that just can't, you know, offer up cash, man, to walk with another person in those traditional levels of therapy. And, and, and counseling. And, uh, and we do it, and we do it, and we, don't, and we don't say no. And I can guarantee you every freaking dollar that you give uh, is going to uh, an absolute good cause and transformation in people's lives. So hey, would you think about that? Would you think about it a little bit? Uh, today, we're going to finish our series on don't stay stuck. Uh, this week, we're going to deal with shame. We're going to do a shame and how shame keeps you stuck. We're going to do with that. Uh, book recommendation. Uh, stop the presses. Here is a book recommendation. Get a pen, get a pad, get something. Use your iPhone. I'll give you a second. Here's a book recommendation. Here's the author. Here's the guy. John Philip Newell. I talked about him last week, but I'm going to talk about him again. Because since the last time I joined you, I went out and grabbed his uh, Christ of the Celts. Christ of the Celts. Don't let the freaking title screw with you, okay? It's not about Ireland, although a little bit is uh, it is, he will talk about Jesus. It's It's going to freak you out, man, a little bit, but I'm telling you right now, if you are into the transformational kind of understandings of life and, and, and just growing, man, just like getting a new perspective and a new awareness. How about that? How about settling your soul a little bit and coming off of the world just a touch, right? Coming down just a touch. This is a book that will do it. It's probably, and I'll, I'll be honest with you, one of the best books I've read in the last 10 years. Uh, and I read, I read a little bit. And it's one of the best books that I've, I've read in, in 10 years. Here it is again. Christ of the Celts. John Philip Newell. Get that. Get that now. I don't want to go too far into the podcast without talking about the shooting in Florida. Um, we are at, we're not at. This is a matter of common sense. And I know I'm going to get beat up by a few of my wonderful friends who are attached to the Second Amendment and who are attached to all things Republican. And I'll probably even take a little heat from my Democrat friends um, and liberal friends. But I don't give a shit at this point. And I'll be frank and clearly honest with you. I know some of you love your guns. I know some of you um, love the attachment to the Second Amendment. I do. I get it. I totally understand it. I grew up with a gun-loving father and shot shotguns and BB guns and pellet guns and 22 and the whole night, the whole freaking thing. Okay, I get it. At some point, we have to understand. And and, and again, I don't want to get into who's mentally ill, who's not mentally ill. Um, I I don't want to do that. I I just want to get into a common sense understanding that a kid, uh, an illegal kid— uh, with what sounds like some mental ish, walked into a gun store um, and bought an AR-15, and then went and killed seventeen folks. And I want everybody to understand that from here forward, uh, I- I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna shut up about this stuff. I'm gonna say clearly that we need to protect cho- We need to protect all life. That's what we need to do. And and, and those of you uh, who are hearing this as a threat to your Second Amendment, I don't want you to hear that. I want you to hear this as a common sense. We need to protect life. And if we need to protect life and put some gun control understanding into the conversation and into the fabric of our existence as, as Americans in this country, then so be it. But we need common sense. Here's the common sense. Let's not make this a political debate at all. Let's not do it. Let's make it a let's save lives debate. And I hear some people across, across from me who look at me and they say, it's going to happen no matter what. So that means we have to now accept death amongst our children in our schools. Well, if somebody wants to do it, they're going to do it regardless if they get a gun or not. This is what I've heard. This is the, the damn thing that I've heard. So at some point, we're going to accept the inevitability that children will be killed in school. So as a society, we're saying, yes, children will be killed in school. We don't know what school, we don't know what kids, we don't know what their ages are, but since we can't do any freaking thing about it, we're going to accept kids being killed. So that's the common sense that I want everybody to wrap around and envelop in. I don't consider this political anymore. It's not a political charge. This is a human charge. This is a let's do the right thing. Let's center in oneness and agree that we're going to protect life. Well, let's protect life with guns, JR. No, we're not going to do that anymore because it's not working. It's not working. It's not working. It's not working. And we have to get our heads out of the political machine for two seconds to go, let's take care of kids. Let's take care of all life. So, consider me whatever you want to consider me at this point. But let's do some common sense. Let's look at gun control. And let's step forward. Let's do something. Let's do something. Let's not sit on our asses anymore collectively. Forget the politicians. Let's let's you and me. The regular folks decide that we need, we need something done. And I think the first thing in the first place that we start looking at is gun control, period, end of story. So let the debate go and do whatever you need to do on the interwebs as a result of hearing this. Unfollow me, write me an email, friend me. Uh, whatever you got to do um, is whatever you got to do. I just, I just want us to protect life because I don't know about you, man, but it's just horrible watching... Kids get shot up in school. It's just horrible. Certainly you can agree with that. And certainly we need, to, we need to start moving. And as far as politicians go, man, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't care what politician you are, Republican, Democrat, Independent, Communist. I don't care what political affiliation you are, you are involved with. From here forward in my life, I'm judging you based on whether or not you are in gun control at some level. That's how it goes. So my vote... If you want to know about my vote, people want, always want to know about well, who you vote for. If you want to know about my vote from here forward? My vote is going to be taken into consideration how you feel about protecting children's lives. Because at this point, we value guns more than we do kids' lives. So politicians, I don't care if you're afraid of me or not. It doesn't freaking matter if you want my vote. or not. I don't. I don't care. That's what I'm seeing from here forward. You want to run my district? You want to run my country? You want to run my county? You want to run my state? Where are you on gun control? Where are you on kids going to freaking school and coming out at three o'clock alive? Where do you stand on that? Because if you stand on that, that they should be leaving their schools alive, then you should be standing up right now and screaming about some measure of gun control in this country. Some measure, some measure, some, some measure. Again, I don't want to take your guns away. You know, a long time ago, I was involved in a ministry, man. That was like, we, we embedded ourselves in the, in the porn industry and people would say, do you want to shut down the industry? I'm like, absolutely not. And this is the same case. I don't want to shut down the gun manufacturers. I don't give a crap what the NRA is doing or not doing. But at some level, we need awareness and we need some kind of control on the type of weapons that are available in this country. That's where, we're, that's where we need to start. That's where we need to start. Because the conversation is dull and old and rotten and disgusting as we continue to talk and to continue to bury children because guns are more important than kids at this point. That's what we're saying. That's what we're saying. We're saying guns are more important than children, kids. I was a teacher a year ago at a local high school where I live and there was a lockdown, a loaded nine millimeter Glock in a kid's bag. Put us on lockdown for five hours, a loaded nine millimeter Glock in a 15 year old kid's bag. Come on, man. Let's all figure this one out. Okay, that's it. All right, thank you for, uh, for listening to my, uh, and again, this isn't a rant, and it's not even that i pissed. It's just we just need some good spiritual common sense here. And good spiritual common sense is we are all one, and certainly we can take care of this. Certainly we can take care of this. Certainly we can figure out a way that kids go to school and leave every day without getting killed or without having the use of more firearms to prevent it. Okay, so today we're talking about shame, and I'm going to shift gears hard, or shifting gears hard. So uh, I did this conference uh, a month ago or so called Don't Stay Stuck, and um, it was great, man. The people that showed up, uh, lovely. We, we thank everybody who came, and we talked about the big three things. Fear, resentment, and shame that keep us stuck. Now, they keep us stuck in a bunch of ways, either physically moving forward because of fear or whatever, mentally moving forward because of blocks, or or ideologically, theologically, uh, intellectually. There's a lot of ways that we can capture ourselves and get stuck in position and frankly get stuck for long periods of our lives. So the identification of those is fear, resentment, and shame. And today we're going to do shame. So if you haven't heard fear, resentment, they're the last two podcasts. Feel free to hit it. And in my kind of uh, model, if you will, um, on taking care of resentment, fear, and shame, I've uh, I, I add I add the model on how to kind of like move forward. How to be unstuck. And in that unstuckness, you're going to need your voice, you're going to need a, a community, and you're going to need the idea of presence. So fear, resentment, and shame, those things keep us stuck. Voice, community, and presence move us forward. So we're talking about shame today, and shame is a nasty one. Shame is that shame, man, it builds, it builds incredible false personas, and we're going to talk about that. So what's the definition? It's a painful feeling of humiliation or distress caused by the consciousness of wrong or foolish behavior. This is right from the dictionary. I'm a big, a big word guy. Let's understand what the word is. It's a noun, A painful feeling of humiliation or distress caused by the consciousness of wrong or foolish behavior. Humiliation. Here are the words that are associated. Humiliation, mortification, chagrin, embarrassment, indignity, discomfort. Again, not great words to have in our word listing of life. (laughs) These aren't like, hey, Fred, how you doing? Oh, I'm mortified today. (laughs) Right? Hey, Joe, what's going on? I got a lot of discomfort. Like, you know, these these aren't great things. So, um... Faith. What does faith teach us about about this stuff? So faith teaches us away from shame and into new life. So if, if, it doesn't matter, you know, where you are on the faith scale. All faith will teach you into new life and away from shame. Teach you away from shame. So that's what faith does. Like faith puts that ever present hope in your life. Like you know, what's your hope from, hoping for and a certainty that it's going to happen. And we learn to hold, and, and so I'm sorry, and, so if, for, for, for the case of the Jesus folks out there, in the resurrection, we find a great hope in life in the present, right? And we find forgiveness within that faith. And we learn to hold love as our new life and not the condemnation of the past. So for the Jesus folks out there, and I and for the Jews too, um, even for the Hindus, in fact, I'm going to say the Buddhists too, and I'm sure the Muslims, we hold that love dominates. That love is the core. That love is the center. Love is the starting point, right? But shame will very often tell us that is the core. That is the starting point. That is the energy of what's happening in front of us because shame is so damn powerful. But we have to understand that in our faith, love is a dominating factor and we need to concentrate on that center of love. Um, Shame, this is a feeling of worthlessness and rejection to be cast out. It runs alongside of guilt. Shame is believing that one, that you are not loved or can be loved, right? We believe like when we get so shameful, we're like, oh, I'm not worthy of love. Shame always carries with it the sense that there is nothing you can do to purge its toxic presence. So a lot of times, man, you are stuck in shame and you're like, there is nothing that I've done this thing, said this thing, been a part of this thing, know this thing, and it, it, it becomes my very existence and I can't shake it. And it becomes so toxic, it turns on itself over and over and over again. Shame will carry secrets and, uh, and, and, and will tell you, tell no one. So shame will carry the secret and, and literally whisper, don't, don't tell anybody. And these secrets will ultimately turn you into stone. Secrets ultimately keep you boxed up and away from everybody, for the record. If you're holding on to something, if you're holding on to a secret, if, if you're holding on to like that, you know, because, you know, a lot of times there's that expression, you are your secrets, and that's 100% true. Whatever you're holding on to like that, you need to get rid of it. Shame does a great job of keeping that crap inside. It is not good for you. It will keep you stuck. The secrets must come clean. You must tell on yourself at some level. You must tell on yourself at some level. Shame will build false self of of identity. Shame will build a false sense of identity telling you you are the crime committed. You are that thing said. You are that thing you were involved with and that there can never be a reckoning from that from its past. How often you hear that, right? Man, I did that thing. I'm that thing. Damn it. I said that thing. Gosh, that's the only way those people know me. Right, You've done something in front of people, and then you go, that's the only way they know me. It must be who I am. Shame builds that false identity, um, and that can be the most destructive force in your life. And it will be the most destructive things that you ever engaged in. Shame can be the most destructive thing you will ever engage in. Think about this. I need you, I need you with me on this. And you must... Deal with it. I know people that have shame personas and have carried those shame personas for 50 years. In other words, they build a false self of a persona off of the shame. And they're unable to simply forgive themselves and move forward. Along in shame, I need you to keep clear from people and communities and beliefs and dogmas and religion that will shame. Keep clear from any shaming. Either from a person, a community, a belief, a dogma, a religion. There are so... Look at, look at the evangelicals, man, do this great. The evangelicals are so freaking guilty of the existence of shaming community. It's not even funny because what they ultimately do is they say salvation is behavior. Salvation is behavior modification. If you don't behave this way, you're screwed. You're going to hell. And there's other religions outside of evangelicalism that do that as well. Basically, every human religion does that, for the record. I'm just picking on the American Christian's, uh, Westernized evangelical process because we make that salvation behavioral modification, and it's not that. We're talking about the conditions of the heart. We're talking about truly tapping into our essence. Our essence, our core is good for the record. It is love. We are created in His image. It is not bad. The whole dogma and ideology uh, of original sin is just, it, it has corrupted people at the very core and it has screwed our relationships so badly because it has created shame that we have created so much division one to another in faith that it has hurt us as a community and society. Big, huge sentences I'm saying, but true. Watch your ability to shame, please. Watch your ability to shame. In other words, what words are coming out of your mouth and how are you fashioning them? You want to be caring, loving, gentle at times with people when we're trying to orchestrate our own thoughts and opinions on top of them or, or, or our own certainty on them at times. And sometimes we do a great job at just painting them with all kinds of shame. What's wrong with you? Question mark. How many times have we said that to our kids? Seriously, I'm guilty, y'all. I'm guilt just the other night I was like, what's wrong with you? Question mark. Meaning there's something wrong with you, right? Meaning there's something inside of you that you can't shake and there's something your damaged goods that's shaming, that's bad. Just grabbing some coffee. There is a difference between guilt and shame. Shame points to self, guilt points to others. Difference between guilt and shame, shame points to self, guilt points to others. Okay, so you get, the, you get the idea of shame. And, and I know, and I want you to think in your life right now, what are you ashamed of? What do you ashamed for, by, to, it? Where is your shame? Right? What's that dirty little secret that you're keeping? What's that thing that you said a long time ago? What's that thing you just did to the thing, to the person, to the community, to the ideology? What, what is that thing that, that, that's going on? So I want you to capture that. And I want you to have that an ever present part of your life so you understand. Uh, how it has made you stuck. For me, there's a bunch of different ways. Um, you know, uh, a few years ago, my wife just came in the room. Hi, babe. Bye, bye, bye. Okay, see you later. Um, that's my lovely wife, the lady die. Takes care of my three children. Going to picking up them now. Um, a, while, a long time ago in my faith, I was really super dogmatic and certain. And I hung out with some people that were super dogmatic and certain, and it bit me in the ass, and it bit other people in the ass too, because I, um, because I was behaving in a, in a way that said my certainty about God was absolutely right, you were absolutely wrong if you didn't believe that way, and therefore there was something wrong with you. And I didn't carry the essence of oneness at all in my life. As a result, it was very lonely. As a result, I was very shallow in my understanding as a result, I was very cornered in my love. My love had conditions, even though I would say things like, unconditional love is the best. Bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. And I boxed up and dogmatized my entire existence and life and the people around it. And it, didn't, it wasn't good. It wasn't a, a life lived in abundancy. It wasn't a fullness and oneness understanding of the universe around me. Because I was living in a very inch deep, mile wide theology and dogma. And so there I stood and sat and it created a lot of shame once I kind of poked my head out of the water long enough. To really understand what was going on, greater than myself, and there really wasn't any one pivot moment where it was like one second I was, one second I wasn't. It was a gradual come to Jesus, quote unquote, moment, if you will, where I started to understand that love dominated every single thing in my life and world and, and and universe around me, and that I understood that there was a mysterious fabric that sat inside of the world, sat inside of me, sat inside of you that inside the cosmos, and this mysteriousness had just a, an oozing of caring, accepting love that popped out of it that I really started to understand, oh my gosh, not only was I created by God, but I was created in his image with his love attached to me, and it still is there, and it has been growing in me ever since I was a little kid, and I really need to come back and hear that original voice from the beginning of him calling me and, 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 and concentrate on it and, and, and hit it. But as I'm coming to understand that I've also got shame sitting in there that says for a few years of my existence in my faith, I was a dick and that produced shame. And, and even to this day, there are relationships. There's one relationship with a guy that uh, I kind of know distantly, like arm's reach, if you will. He's done very well for himself. He's very famous. He's a good guy. He's a really good guy. And uh, I did damage in that relationship because I immediately, you know, put the fingers of the cross up like you know, like a vampires coming at you. And I told other people, you know, the same way. And I've, and I've lived like that a few times. In my dogma, in my certainty, in my belief. And you know what? A I, I, public apology to anybody listening who remembers that JR, who knows that JR. Um, and I apologize deeply for that. And, and that right there, as I touch that shame button in myself, it affects me. It moves me. It truly does. And man, I pray um, to never have that type of thing in my life again. And... It created persona, it created secret, it created identity problems, it created um, turmoil inside of me, and it kept me stuck so yeah it's hard it's a hard story to tell, but it 's true um, moving forward there were there are three things that I have a prescription for. Um, That allow and help you to move forward. One is the identity of your voice. Two is the identity of your community, the people around you. And three, the understanding of your presence right now, right this second. So we'll start with voice. So moving forward from shame requires some admission. Just like I told you that story about me. It requires the identity that you tell on yourself, that you upchuck your secrets, that you get those shameful points out into the open, that you, that you wave the flag of surrender on that shame and true self. So under the category of voice, there's admission and then there's true self and there's you seeking true self. If you're an angry guy, I want you to discover why you're angry because angry isn't what popped out of your mom's womb anger is is a real collection of garbage that has happened to you over the course of time that has spun you into anger and so I want you to identify true self and here's the best way to do it what do you like about yourself and if you have a hard time answering that I need you to sit in it even a little bit longer and and maybe even ask somebody what do you like about me what do you love about me and start there because most people I say hey what do you like about yourself what do you love about yourself they have a hard time answering that they they sit in silence and they're I'm not, I'm not sure. And then even when they answer, sometimes they don't believe it. So the identification of true self voice is admission and the identity of who you really are. And I need you to start with, with what you like and what you love about yourself. Community, community. I'm assuming that most people have some type of faith community that are listening. I'm assuming if you don't, I'm assuming you have just good buds, good people, good family, good process around you that keeps you firing creatively, keeps you firing intellectually. Hopefully it keeps you firing spiritually, but you need to be involved in a community uh, and some type of like generated faith generation of faith community. And again, I don't care what the hell that is. just that's just good process for you. It's it's a good way to to be around, you know, kind of like like mindedness, if you will, when it comes to conversation points, when it comes to movement points, when it comes to like, you know, what's what are the things that you like? I don't care if you're in a skateboard club or you or you're going to the youth group down the down the road doesn't really matter to me. But be in a community. Love, love needs to be present in that community. What do I mean? I mean, there has to be a give and take, a real serious look that, that, that you know, there has to be a, a kind of unbridled, unconditional love going on between the people, between you and the people, no rules, no process, no stupid dogmas, just the ability to love the person that's coming in through the door and love your shame, being able to love the shame out of you, accountability in that. So, you know, once you give voice to your shame, there has to be some kind of accountability, like a check-in, right? A check-in, and in that, some kind of inventory to that check-in. Like, what's your inventory process like at the end of the day when it comes to your shame? Do you think about it? And are you telling somebody, man, I'm a little ashamed about this, that happened here, there, or or another place. And then also in that community's restitution. If you've done something to somebody... Inside the processes of shame, the person, the personas of shame, the false identity of shame, you need to say you're sorry. You need to make amends. You need to go somebody and go, yo, I screwed up and I need you, right? That's what needs to happen. All right, we move into presence. So admission, community. And now presence, you need, the, you need courage when you sit inside of your present, like you're right now. And here's your courage. Your courage is to not numb the shame, not smoke a joint, not drink another beer, not whack off to porn again, not go have sex with a stranger, not go shopping at Macy's, don't drive 100 miles an hour down the highway, don't get angry and yell at the waitress. We can go on and on, but you need the courage to stay in the presence of your shame long enough to find voice and community. So you need courage. In your presence. You need courage to say, I am ashamed and I need to do something about it. Action. Action. You need to move your feet, move your butt, get up off of your chair and go tell somebody what's going on with you. But you need action. I need a course of action. As a result of my shame, I drank heavily. I'm talking about me. As a result of my shame, I drank like a stupid fool and I needed to stop drinking and did. For those of you who know me, man, you know know that story. And there's a little shame in that, I'll be honest with you. But if I didn't have the action to stop drinking, I'd be even more screwed. Forgiveness in the presence. So in the presence, courage, action. Now forgiveness. What is forgiveness? Forgiveness isn't going to be flip the switch on, flip the switch off. That's not it. Forgiveness is a process, a toil. Forgiveness is a walk down a long road. Forgiveness is a sometimes walk down a long road in complete darkness. But you need the allowance of forgiveness. The allowance of forgiveness says you're willing to forgive. Not only yourself, maybe somebody else, most likely yourself, (laughs) but you need the allowance of forgiveness. You literally need to go deep inside of you and go, I'm willing to forgive me. When's the last time you said that? Man, I need to forgive myself. When's the last time you asked yourself, "I I need to forgive myself for acting like a Christian jackass about 18 years ago? I need to forgive. And I, and I have, man. I really have worked hard on my shame and sense of forgiveness to forgive me and the mistakes that I made. You know, if you want to read the end of my Christian jackassness, you can read my book, Starving Jesus, and you can read a real contemptuous JR, while ready to fight, battle, and burn things down. And I've forgiven myself since then. I really have. I really moved on from that. Like, who needs it? One of my, my friend Rob's, like, I don't need that anymore. And I love that sentence. I don't need that anymore. I don't, I don't need to process like that anymore. I love that line. So forgiveness. Good people, that's don't stay stuck. Fear, resentment, and shame, those keep you stuck, right? Presence, community, and voice move you forward. Uh, good people, thanks for sticking with me on this little series. Next week, I am going to tell you a story. Um, that is heartbreaking. I am going to tell you a story that uh, I've only told once publicly and written about, uh, and now I'm starting to talk about it. It's a story that happened to me about 10 years ago, and it's tragic, and it's horrible, and it involves the death of a very close friend, and uh, for a long time, uh, I I wore that death, um, and I took it on the chin, and I'm going to talk about that next week. And we're going to talk about uh, all things uh, spiritual along the way. Um, Hey, uh, I'm working on a... We're in the design process of a book that I'm uh, publishing. Um, And uh, if my designer's listening to it now, I'm going to kick your ass if you don't send me those... uh, (laughs) (laughs) Those designs, I'm just messing with you. But uh, anyways, that book will be out soon, hopefully in the next couple months. Uh, Really looking forward to that. Um, I think you'll enjoy it. It is not like a regular book. It certainly took me by surprise when it started to come out of me and I put the words down on paper. I think you'll love it and I'm really excited about that. So we'll we'll talk about that next week. Um, If you're looking for a new podcast, White Dad, Black Daughter. White Dad, Black Daughter conversations between me and my adopted daughter, Mia, uh, Mia Rose. Uh, surely it will keep my daughter. I'm telling you, not just because she's my daughter. She's funny. She's funny. And the podcast is just funny. And she takes her humor to a whole nother level. Sometimes before we start the podcast, she's always like, I don't want to do this. But the minute the mic turns on, she turns into a little star. So it's kind of fun. White dad, black daughter. You can look at that. My name is Jr Man J.R. M-A-H-O-N is the last... A uh, name on that. I am a spiritual director. I am a mentor and a coach. You can book an hour session with me via the website. Uh, the numbers and the digits are on there. Feel free to call me. If you're struggling with, with, with being stuck in some capacity, fear resentment or shame, I'm your guy. I'm your guy. If you are going through a hard season in life right now and you just can't find words or vision for it, I'm your guy. If you're a corporation, a business leader, a manager, and you need uh, a look at new culture and new understanding in your business, I'm your dude. Call me in all those places. Good people, thank you for listening. We will talk next week.